I was just working so much. I could never step away. I always had my phone on me. I was always answering a client and then going into my office and doing the design work and then doing a sales call and doing this. And it was 80 hour weeks. I think it was just me realizing that I can't sustain this level of work or I'm going to get really burnt out. And I think that's why a lot of businesses too will shut down is because they're in that constant churn mode. And that's where I was. And so I was very much, I'm not enjoying this. I am enjoying this. Let's figure it out. Let's figure it out. You can pick and choose the things that you like to do and put your effort there. But at the end of the day, it's me who I have to live with. And I'm letting myself down by not staying true to what I like to do and what's giving me joy. And I realize these are the things that are giving me joy. So let's put our time and effort into that. And I'm a lot happier person now because of it. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Lucky Pup Podcast, where we're taking big ideas and weaving them together in a way that makes the big picture relatable and hopefully also inspirational and educational. You're going to find candid and authentic conversations about the struggles we've encountered as we try to live more full and happy lives. I'm your host, Morgan Weber, and today we are talking branding with Kayla of Your Branding Buddy. You may know her as the founder of Docs Design, a boutique visual branding agency that works for pet businesses. Kayla has been on her own entrepreneurship journey from freelancing on the side while working in a large design firm to jumping right into founding Docs Design full time. She's going to take us through today why having a visual brand can be a huge asset to your business, but also some insights into how your role within your business can change to better suit your skills and passions. I don't want you to miss out, so let's dive in. Kayla, thank you so much for joining us today. And I'm really excited for people to get to know you better because we've had a chance to work together in the past. And I just love everything that you do. So thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I see the little brand in the back that we worked yes, on. Yes, right you. here, my yeah. little memory flame. And I've got my little memory flame candle. There we go. There's my little <laughs> candle as well. So yes, it was it was a wonderful experience to work with you. I have to say, this is hashtag not an ad, but it was such a rewarding experience because I will say I have been the chief everything officer for our business for quite a while. And our first logo, so our Lucky Pup logo, I had a college friend made that for me. So she was a graphic designer and I was like, hey, can you make me a logo? So that's what she made us. And since then, I have done the majority of our graphic design work. And I am not a graphic designer, but I, I say I know enough to be dangerous so I can do yeah. little parts of it. And so I had a logo for our memory flame candles. And I knew that it could use an upgrade because I had some goals that I wanted for what those candles could do. And I knew that we needed something different from what I had put together. And I think always when we get a professional's help, it's always going to be a step above what we can do for ourselves. Even Absolutely. when you are a professional in something, it's helpful to get another professional's help because sometimes we're just too close to the thing and we can't, exactly. <laughs> we can't see what other people are seeing when they're brand new to something. So anyway, so we just really enjoyed it. And I will say I was one of those people who was like, oh, Kayla, I don't really need a new logo. I was cautious, you could say, of handing this thing over and, and giving a little bit of a glow up. But you guys did such a, a fantastic job. So it was a wonderful experience. But I think that there's a lot of people who, when they look at their branding, they say, oh, it's great. So they look at their website and they say, oh, it's great. And they don't really understand that um, there is some improvements that could be made. And so I'm sure that you help your clients understand that when they're looking at their branding and they're looking at the visuals and the designs, um, creating packaging that sells. And you do a lot of subscription boxes and all of these things. And I'm sure you have those kind of conversations with your clients a lot. Yeah. Branding is such a personal thing. And we always say that it's the power of visual storytelling. So at the end of the day, it's a story that you're telling. And a lot of the times, the reason you started your business, there's a lot of emotional things of why you started your business. We see a lot in the pet space, like, oh, my dog's my logo. You know, a lot of that, there's a lot there. So it's my job as a branding professional to come in and really hear out our clients why and to really hear and hold their hand through that emotional story and be like, yes, because it is so important to you, because it's so emotional, we want to make it the best. Um, and sometimes just even being able to hear that story and hear those words and let them tell it to me however they want to tell it I can repeat back to them things that they might be missing um, which is why I love it because at the end of the day we are just taking that story and turning it into a brand which at the end of the day is just a visual story to tell. I think people don't 
Like when I think of brand, I don't necessarily think of visual storytelling. And especially in today's society, today's culture, when somebody wants to look you up as a business, they go to Facebook, they go to Instagram, they go to your website. And if your visual story can't convey the word story that you want to tell, it can be really off-putting to some people. Um, there's a, a branding company who calls it the five-second caveman test. And if they can't look at it and within five seconds know what you do, then you know they just move on. And when we think about getting new clients and reaching out and creating these relationships with clients, can't do that if they leave our website or our Instagram or whatever we're looking at within five seconds. You can't, you don't even have yeah. that opportunity. And so to engage with somebody who can take that viewpoint is a big benefit for people. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, when they hear the word branding, they think logo. And that's where a lot of people get caught up. Even you said, you're like, I like my logo. I don't want to touch it. But your logo isn't the thing that's just plastered everywhere. When we talk about the visual story, the visual brand, it's the colors you're using, fonts, patterns, illustrations, image style, your copywriting. It's how all of that works together cohesively to be telling that story. So whether someone's seeing a social media post really quickly, it's going to your website landing page really quickly, everything should be cohesive and working together towards that end goal and that end story in mind. So it is a very emotional thing that people connect to. And at the end of the day, you want people to be like, wow, this brand is for me because you designed it in a way to speak to that end person that you're trying to reach. And I think a lot of people will try to be very general with that, which is where a lot of brands will fall flat. Um, but like the more specific you can get with who you're trying to target and what like emotion your brand is trying to get, the better your visuals can be. And you can really hone in on that and just make it that much more professional and that much more emotional connection to your customer. People think, especially when you're first starting out, you got to cast the net as wide as possible, right? I'm new. I yeah. need to get whatever kind of client I can. But when you can niche down, it is amazing how much faster you can uh, attract <laughs> people to you. But I have to say, so I was on Instagram the other day and a reel popped up and it was this woman who makes stained glass pieces, not much bigger than a phone. And they are all themed around cat butts or okay. animal butts in general. And she puts like little gems on them. I'll let you use your imagination. And um, they're bright colors and there's like unicorns and like prismatic gems, like casting these rainbow lights all over the place. And I saw that and I thought to myself, who would have ever sat down to say, you know what, I'm going to build a brand that is all about stained glass cat butts. And her Instagram had 30,000 followers and her wait list was closed because everybody wanted it. A stained glass cat yeah. butt. And it just brought to mind uh, the power that niching can bring if you do it boldly. And maybe that's the difference of needing to lean all in. I don't know, but it definitely caught yeah, my no, attention. I mean, that's how I started my business. My husband thought I was crazy when I told him that I was going to start a design agency that focused on pets. He was like, What do you mean? Just get any client you can. It's the reason my business is what it is today is that I focused on pets and made that a part of my brand and that I am a dog lover and I love dogs and I don't own a pet business, but I understand the pet world and I'm a huge dog person and all we use dog imagery and dog puns and really bright, fun, colorful fonts and bubbly. And like we went for that market when I launched Docs and that's what got us where we are today. And we were able to now work with some of the biggest clients in the pet industry because I started out there. And if I would have just been more general, like I started out, there's a thousand freelancers and studios that can do branding for everyone. But every time we get a pet client, it's because, oh, because you focused on pets and because you get dogs. So being able to niche down like that is what got my business to where it is today. And the, people can tell when you're being authentic. And if you're just trying to be generalist and talk to everyone and be like, oh, I just so want to target any women and I love you guys. Like people can tell if you're not being super genuine to yourself and there's that loss of connection there so the more that you can really start to like hone in on who you are and like what your brand is and like really lean into that and niche down people will connect to that a lot faster because not only is it connecting to them because you made it that way but they could tell that you're being more genuine and authentic yeah so how do you 
even start. So somebody who says, I want to be authentic, but I can't put into words like what it is that is authentic about me. I know you have had some like quizzes and find Yes, your... I was just going to say, we got a quiz for them. You have a yes. quiz? We like... Yeah, we have a brand vibe quiz that kind of breaks down. We've taken the six most popular vibes. We call it that people will come to us like, oh, I'm a natural and organic brand, or I'm like more bold, I'm more spunky, I'm more classic, and break it down into that. It's like a 10-question quiz that can help you figure out like more what your quote-unquote vibe is. But then taking that a step further, I always have the first question I ask people is like why they started their business. I know that's so cliche in the business world. Like, what's your why? But like, really, though, like, why did you start their business? And there's usually an emotion connected to that. Oh, I really wanted people to feel safe and comforted. Okay, let's like lean into that comfort feeling. How can we evoke that in your brand? Like feeling like a warm embrace, like a hug. Okay, because I get a little woohoo with it because I'm creative and artsy like that. And that's kind of where I come in and help people, you know, dig a little deeper than just being like, I want dogs to feel safe. It's like, okay, but why? And like, who and what? And then we're going to visually showcase. I think for those of us who have a hard time visualizing things, it can be so hard to even know where to start to have that conversation. And especially when you're first starting out, you probably don't have the funds necessary Mm -hmm. to invest in a full brand package or you don't feel like you can make that step and make that commitment. But it really can make such a difference, especially when you are Um, going out there and you are marketing and you are trying to find those new clients. And because it is easier for people to connect to a bold choice, you could say whether it's a bold choice as in we're soft and cozy and warm, (laughs) or it's a bold choice as in bright colors, whatever that is, I feel like we are visual, even if we can't maybe speak visually or speak what we would like to see, we still connect visually. So we still look at a brand, we look at a website and people go, oh yeah, I like those people. Even though they've never met you, they connect to the visuals that you're putting out there. Absolutely. I always use the area of a billboard, like you're going down the road really quick. Like most of the time you're not even reading what's on that billboard. Same goes for someone on your website. Like before they're even getting to the words, they're reacting to the visuals, which is why I try to get the point across to people like it's way more than your logo because it is the colors and the overall vibe. Like the overall vibe that they're going to get, like you said, within the first five seconds is going to be through those visual markers, not through the copy. Same thing if you're going down the road and looking at a billboard. Like if it's like a black and white photo with like a serif type face, you're probably like law firm animal rescue sad whereas if you're going big bright gradient you're like radio station some like some sort of sports drink it's so those visual cues really do kind of help people make that decision right off the bat i am amazed how many new clients i'll ask oh how did you find us and so i found you on google or you had a lot of reviews so i clicked on your website and i liked your website more than somebody else's website so i picked you Mm -hmm. i was like well that's kind of cool like i didn't even have to do a whole lot of work there i didn't have to get on a a phone call and have a half hour conversation with them they just were like yep i liked you your website looked cool and it looked cooler than somebody else's website so the end it really shows the importance especially i think in this day and age where everybody is so connected to their phones and their computers. It's just, it's harder to find those connections if you don't have a great visual brand. Yeah. And they have so many options. So it's like, what's going to make you the option that stands out? Nine times out of 10, it's going to be your brand. Yeah. Yeah. And so how have you helped people understand that? Because again, I think it's hard for people who just say, I made my logo in Canva or it's a picture of my pet. Or when I just started out, I was like, what if I just had words? Like it was just lucky pup like it would be like nike without the swoop like everybody sees nike and they're like yep i know what it is and so for some people it's hard to understand that importance and do you have any suggestions for people when they're first deciding to want to invest in a a more thought out brand of the benefits that they're going to get or those first considerations they should start making Yeah, so we do brand audits. So those are our calls with me. And that's usually the first starting place where if someone's like on the fence about doing the whole thing or they're like, I'm kind of interested to hear what a professional would say, but they don't want to like invest the whole shebang. Um, So people love those hour calls because I'll do a lot of like upfront in-depth work on their brand saying, okay, this is what I'm getting from your website. I noticed this was inconsistent with this. And I give suggestions right off the bat for colors, fonts, illustrations, patterns, break down what our toolkit is that we usually provide when we do the full signature branding. And it's just like all written out for them. And then I also give them a Pinterest board that shows visual examples 
Um, that way, if they do feel empowered to do it themselves on Canva, they can match up my written suggestions with visuals. So if someone isn't a visual person or has a hard time communicating that, I go in and do my crazy like creative thing. Of, like, they're like, why is there like a picture of a sweater on here? I'm like, oh, this pattern on the sweater remind me of a pattern you could do for your brand. Um, and they're like, oh, wow, I would have never even thought to do that. And now I have XYZ idea. And we always talk through all the suggestions. And then the last 30 minutes is a like Q&A and brainstorming. And we always come out of those calls with really cool ideas. And the one I just had, they're like, oh, man, I have so many creative ideas. I never would have considered myself a creative person. But this really helped me get out of my own way. And now that you have given me a direction, I have such less overwhelm. I feel really empowered now to run with this and come up with some really cool things. And she just sent me like a gift card she did of her store all on her own. Aww. And I was like, oh, my gosh, love that. So, yeah, I think that's a really fun thing that I do is those brand audits into good kind of stepping stone for people who are in between wanting to do the full thing for sure. Okay, because sometimes that's all that there's room for and the budget is yeah. I just need a direction to go so I can at least get started in the right direction and then I can later make that bigger investment. But it is so nice to have that expert opinion and, you know, even that outside feedback because I think the hard part is when we ask friends and family or you know, colleagues of some sort to say, hey, can you look at this for me? They might be so excited for you that they aren't really giving you that much helpful advice because they're like, oh my God, it looks great. As opposed to saying, yeah, it's, I love the direction you're heading, but also have you considered. And this can make it better sort of thing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And it's hard when you start out and everyone's your cheer squad. And it's like, yeah, I appreciate that, but I also need some, I need something to work with here. Yeah. Criticism. I need, <laughs> yeah, I need some constructive criticism. Yeah. Um, Kayla, do you want to tell folks maybe you started out in a large or at least a kind of a corporate graphic design position. Is that right? Yeah, I could talk a little bit about that and how this all came to be. I think this story relates with a lot of other small business owners. Um, so I always knew I wanted to do something in the creative field. I've always been like a creative artsy person and I was actually the editor of our yearbook. And so our, our teacher then was like, you should look in the graphic design. I went to a graphic design program. They only let 12 kids into the program. We started out with 100. I was one of the 12 to make it into the program, um, which got me a pretty nice job at one of the top agencies here in the Midwest. I was working with brands like Target and Georgia Pacific. And I, it was drilled into me in college. You're going to go work in an agency. You're going to go work with these big brands. You're going to work your life away. You're going to work your way up the corporate ladder. You're eventually going to be an art director in 30 years and just enjoy this opportunity. And I made it like a year, not even, I don't think, into this agency. And I was just like, I hate it. Oh, my gosh. I just went to school for four years for this. And it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. And what am I going to do? And like having a midlife crisis at like 22. Yeah. So mostly for necessity out of creative juices flowing. I just started freelancing on the side because my agency job, I was doing all the grunt work like most college grads do. And my freelance work started picking up and more than I thought it would. And it's because I said to myself, OK, if I'm going to do freelance work, I want to actually work with clients that I enjoy. I had two dachshunds at the time. I was very ingrained in the dog world where I was living. I had my dog walker and the pet store I went to and the groomer. And um, once I started doing work for one, they started referring me to everyone that was in the pet world. And I was like, wow, these pet people are homies. I love them. OK, I'm going to keep doing this. Um, and I told my husband, actually, the week we were going to get married, I was like, you know what? I'm going to quit my job and just do this full time. And he was like, what? And I was like, yeah, I think I'm just going to work with pet people full time. Um, so I ended up filing for my LLC, Docs Design, named after my Docsons, the week I got married. I quit my job. I We sold our house, moved into our new one, converted our extra bedroom into an office. And that was like the first year of Docs Design was I was working with those freelance clients that I got when I had my full-time job. So I'm a corporate dropout. I never will go back to an office job again. It was not what I thought it was going to be. But it's just a shame because in the college I went to, I think it's a lot different now, especially like post-pandemic world and in the online space. Being an entrepreneur and starting your own business wasn't even something that was talked about as a career path that could be an option for me. Yeah, They never, now they're apparently the college I go to they have a whole class at entrepreneurism nice. with like all this stuff I'm like, okay cool they never even told me that was an option for me so it's it's nice that kind of narrative's being changed now because it would have been nice to know up front like hey I could have probably done this from the get-go 
Yeah. And I have a very similar story where because I went to architecture school and very similar. You go to architecture school, then you have to do an internship. Or usually it's about five years. Once you do that, you have to take your tests and then you can be a licensed yeah. architect, yada, yada. And I same thing. I about a year, less than a year out of college in my first corporate job. I was just looking around and I was like, mm, I have not drunk the Kool-Aid and I found a different job that worked a little bit better. But years went by and I was like, this is not what I signed up for. The things that I loved the most about the design work I wasn't doing because you do all the other stuff, like the part that you love, like working with clients and figuring out that the thing that makes them tick is this much. And all of the busy work is the rest. And that was a, <laughs> that was definitely a struggle. So I can appreciate the that side of it. And I don't know about you, but when I told my parents I was going to quit my nice corporate job to be a dog walker, um, my mother especially was very concerned. <laughs> and so it sounds like your husband also maybe had some concerns. Yeah, as well, like, well, like the, the day before a wedding, I was like, by the way, since we're getting married tomorrow, I'm quitting my job. <laughs> and he was like, uh, okay. <laughs> trying to be supportive husband now all the time i bring it up and I laugh at him and i'm like remember when you told me that my business idea was stupid you didn't think it was gonna work i have three employees now so now whenever i tell him my next idea he's like i'm not gonna say nothing because you'll somehow make it work and i'm like and that's what us entrepreneurs do we can't help it yes and, and that just shows the tenacity i would say that it takes to be a business owner too because there's always going to be somebody who is like, are you sure this is the right decision? And only you can know whether it is or whether it isn't. But it uh, it can be hard to bring everybody else along with you when you make that big jump or when you say, yep, this has been working great, but I'm going to switch gears because this thing over here is not serving me the way that I wish it to. And now I would like to do something else. And that's that can be really scary and that can be really hard. And having people who, if they'd say, yep, that's awesome. You go, cool. Thanks for coming with me. Or being willing to make those decisions that not everybody is excited for. Not everybody's in your corner yeah. helping you out. I think also, especially when you're doing something that's never been done before, like the whole, oh, I'm going to niche down with pets. This was almost six years ago. I started Docs. That wasn't done. Now I've seen like every month a dog-related branding agency or like some freelancers niching down dogs popping up and following us. And I like it because they follow us and they reach out to me and they're like, you inspired me. Like, I love this. But I'm like, yeah, well, it wasn't a thing six years ago. So it can be very validating to see that too. But it can also be scary when you're the first kind of one to come up with an idea and you're like is this gonna work i don't know but i am like a big advocate for just do it if you believe in yourself you really can make it happen yeah absolutely so where in your business journey over the last six years did you start adding team members because you do it like you have there's a whole team at docs and so how did you yes. kind of get to that point where you're like, yep, I need to add people and I need to add more people. Uh, I would say the second year in business is when I really started picking up. And I was like, I cannot be running a business and doing all the design work, doing all the sales, the marketing, the account. I mean, everyone listening to this podcast knows how that goes. So that was where I made the decision of, you know what, the designing part of the business is actually the thing I enjoy doing the least. Yeah. Like I enjoy more of the talking to clients, the like marketing, the sale, the like crazy big entrepreneurial ideas of like where we're going to go next. And then like creative directing where the brand's going to go. Um, So my first hire was actually another designer right out of college. And she's been with us for the past five years. She's the lead designer on Docs. So we uh, started on a contracting basis. And now she is like running all of our design work, which is awesome. Um, And then from there, because I was able to hire her and take off one of those hats, at the same time, I seeked out some other professionals. I actually got a real account and I'll hire a person to help with my social media. It freed up time for me to be able to focus on growing the business. So I was then put more into that CEO role of being able to grow the business and still do the things I like in the business, you know, still keep my pulse on all the brands and give the big creative direction ideas, but not actually have to do it. And because I was able to do that, I was able to scale the business a lot faster. Um, so about the three to four year mark, I hired two more designers because at that point we had it, all the operations down, good to go. And it was just like, OK, get the sales, bring on more designers, get the sales, bring on more designers. But I would say making that first jump of that first hire is what got me to be able to to scale my business. And I know that's a really scary, emotional thing for a lot of people. I know it was for me. I was like in the kitchen crying to my husband. I was like, oh, someone depends on me for their paycheck. This is terrifying. 
Um, but being able to do it is, you know, what gave me time back in my day to be able to put my efforts where they were most needed. Yeah. I think it's important for people to hear that you are the owner of a design firm who is not doing the design work and also not doing the social media. And yeah. so you, then you look at a pet sitting company who is probably doing their own design work and doing their own social media and walking some dogs and also trying to run the business, the admin side of the business. And it, it's a lot. Did you have a moment where you it was like the catalyst moment for you to say, I cannot do this on my own anymore. I need to start hiring these things out. Or was it kind of a slow, oh, yeah. gradual process? I would say I can't specifically say there was like one moment where I was like it was I was just working so much like I could never step away like I always had my phone on me I was always answering a client and then going into my office and doing the design work and then like doing a sales call and doing this and it was like 80 hour weeks it was insane and I was like 23 at the time so I could do that I'm gonna be 30 this year I can't do that anymore. so yeah I think it was just me like looking future forward and being realizing that I can't sustain this level of work or I'm gonna get really burnt out and I think that's why a lot of businesses too will shut down after second or third years because they're kind of in that constant like churn mode and that's where I was I am pretty good at being able to realize what I like and don't like I'm a very decisive person so I was very much I'm not enjoying this I am enjoying this let's figure it out let's figure it out so yeah I'm really grateful that I was able to do that and yeah now like you said I was a designer trained designer don't do design work anymore I don't think I actually touched and designed a brand for like past three years um so you know I have my whole team of designers now not to say I still do have my design shops and have my pulse on all the brands but you know you can pick and choose the things that you like to do and put your effort there and just because you went to school for something for four years doesn't mean it has to be the thing that you are doing I think that was a really big mental hurdle that I had to overcome where it was like oh I just spent four years in school like all this money on student loans like all this time all these internships I'm gonna let everyone down I'm gonna let my professors down and then I'm like you know what though at the end of the day it's me who I have to live with and I'm letting myself down right now by not staying true to what I like to do and what's giving me joy and I realize these are the things that are giving me joy. So let's put our time and effort into that. And I'm a lot happier person now because of it. Yeah. Was it hard for you to make that switch into more of a CEO role as opposed to the lead yeah. designer? Uh, I definitely am a bit of a control freak. So it was hard to get someone else to do the design when I had such a level of what I expected. But after that initial training period, um, I actually now, since we're like such a well-oiled machine, we have a whole like training sequence that the designers go through and our operations and processes are really nailed down. So now I'm like, they got it. We're good. I'm not worried about it. Um, but those initial first bringing people on is what got me to be able to do that and scale the business even more. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, having some training in place and being able to have some reassurances that, that we're not just like running around with chickens with our heads cut off really helped. But yeah, I would say that first like initial year was very much like me. Hey, what's going on? Hey, I'm your annoying boss who's checking in every four seconds. And you guys are very much a boutique design firm. I would say I would put us there like yeah. in that realm. Of yeah. Things. <laughs> and so it's much like most of our pet sitters don't want to be the cheapest pet sitter out there. You're not the cheapest designer out there. Was that hard for you to set those prices? So to say like, we need to attract the right talent. I'm in a you know, leadership role. Yeah. I've got to be able to pay all of these bills and so have hard. some cushion for the future. Did you have any struggles or stumbling blocks on wanting to set your prices where you set them? And I'm assuming you did it very intentionally. We did it very gradually, very intentionally. So when I first started out, I was charging $1,000 for a brand. <laughs> like when I was first, my first year of dogs. Now I think we're up to $10,000, I think is what we and charge for the Your signature brand. brand is not just a logo and some pattern. You go very in-depth and it's market research and it's like a, a 20, 30 page document. No, it's one of two things. A, our actual package and process has been so streamlined and I'm very confident in what we're selling. I know what you're going to get at the end of the day is going to be a return on investment for you. I mean, we've had clients hitting million dollars in sales, being wholesale than pet smart, like crazy stuff because of this. And so I'm more confident now because we have the client base and we have the team and the processes to back that up. But when I was first making that first bump, 
when I hired Zan, I think we jumped from like 1,000 to 4,000. So it was a pretty big jump right off the bat. Um, half my clients didn't even blink an eye. I was like, why didn't I do this like <laughs> last year? Because they're like, oh yeah, sure. Okay. I had no issues when at first now going from then on, like every year we raised it like a couple grand, a couple grand, I think, because it was such a gradual thing. When people find us now, it's like we're either in your price range or we're not. And if we're not, I do get that every now and then. I'm sure like every other pet sitter like I saw someone on Fiverr it charges $50 for a logo. I used to get so worked up about those emails and like draft something. Now I just ignore them and I don't even respond. I'm like, okay, good luck with that. We're not going to be a good fit for you then. I think a lot of that, I try not to take things too personally and I'm confident in our prices and I know why we charge what we charge. And at the end of the day, if I do get an email like that, I'm just like, you know what? We're not going to be a good fit for you. And for every person I get for that, I get four people come in the door who are excited to work with us. Mm -hmm. I actually just saw a quote today and it was like, I don't know the exact quote. It was something about like having confidence because there's people out there who are charging more than you and doing a lot less. I think I have, saw this exact same yeah, item have, today. Having like having more confidence in your ability that people have in their mediocrity was the like comparison of there's people out there who are doing it worse than you and more expensive than you so to have some confidence in your pricing and your ability um, I, I was like that really resonated with me as a business owner for sure so when you're coaching people on their brand is that something that you talk with them about too because your brand is more again it's more than just the visuals and is that something that you help people understand and you can like hey I have scaled I have hired I have gone through these same struggles as you and you can help coach people along because again yeah their brand is more than just the visual yeah definitely I don't try to sell myself on being an expert on anything that I'm not so at the end of the day I'm a visual brand expert and like I we focus mainly on that in the call but I do love to be a good small business therapist a little online business rent so yeah, I have on those calls, like talk through people that people want to know, like, how'd you get down to what it is or just pick my brain. I think at the end of the day, no matter what industry you're in, um, there are certain roadblocks that all small business owners have to overcome. And if I could help someone from having to make the same mistake that I did, I love to give that insight. But yeah, I'm not like an accountant expert or like, so I can tell people like the mistakes I made. And for example, my like second year business, I hired a horrible accountant who made some really bad business decisions for me that stuck me with a huge tax bill. Will I ever refer someone to that person? No. And I will let them know to like never hire an accountant like through a Facebook group. Actually do like your due diligence. And I have now a very reputable accountant that I always refer people to who is just hands down amazing. And I think even just being in the business world for the past six years, being able to come up with some of those vendors and contacts is a, like I take for granted how special that is to have that for versus someone who's just starting out and you don't even know where to look for that mm -hmm. stuff. So even just that type of value, I love to give to business owners because I know it can be so hard to find the right people that actually do their job, do it right, do it on time, communicate well to you. And finding those people is like gold and I like cherish them deeply and I want other small businesses to be able to use them. Yeah, I remember like we had an accountant. I mean, they were fine. There was nothing great about them, nothing bad about them as far as I was made aware. But I just wasn't super happy with them. And I actually reached out to my attorney and I said, hey, do you know any great small business accountants? And actually, I do. And I've got this person. And then that person referred me to another contact that they had. And it's so hard to find those reputable people because it's like you're right. It's so easy to go into a group and everybody has an opinion, but it's so hard to know which of the opinions are good opinions and which opinions yeah. are going to stick you with a big tax bill. What works for you? And at the end of the day, this goes back to the brand thing. Okay, the type of brand I am, I'm a very personable person and I like to feel like the people I work with are kind of like my friends. And so I don't do good with the button up like tie type of account. That's yeah. not my vibe. That's not how our business operates. And so like I had to find someone that like communicated in the way that I liked and like worked and fit well within like almost our like brand culture. So I think it, it goes back to that too. Of, okay, how does your business operate? Like what is your brand vibe, quote unquote, at the end of the day and like finding those people that can get behind that and like help champion that I think is really important. Yeah. And so do you have any suggestion for people when they are looking for a graphic designer, they're looking for a brand expert and someone to really help shepherd them through this process? 
you know, how to find somebody that you are going to be excited to work with because um, I've had like small graphic design things where I used a friend's graphic designer to to do a little project for me and then I get it and I was like, hmm, that was a waste <laughs> of a hundred bucks. Like I'm not super excited about it. So it's hard again to know who you're going to connect with. And if you are thinking about spending a good chunk of chain on a brand package or again, just even help with a brand coach, how do you suggest people even start having those conversations with people so not on fiverr or at 99 designs or any of those places like i can't tell you the horror stories i have from past clients or just friends and business owners going on those places i think my favorite thing to do and how sometimes i even find designers that i will like reach out look at brands that you like is there a brand that you love and follow on instagram you're like i'm obsessed with this everything they do is amazing business owners do want to help other business owners now granted don't reach out to your direct competitor and be like hey who did your brand can i have more contact because they're probably not going to give it to you i I always say like it you have people to like get out of this the industry you're in so like if you're in the pet industry okay like what beauty brands do you follow that you're like obsessed with no something that aligns more with your values if you are trying to be like more natural and organic what are some like natural natural like human food brands that you follow and can love the packaging and can you reach out to some of those people and be like hey I really love your packaging who did it and nine times out of ten they'll be like oh I have a fabulous graphic designer I use or x y and z here's her profile look at it and then you have a referral right off the bat you've seen work you know that you're going to get something that you like um, so I think that's one of my favorite ways to start looking for people. I also love Instagram for finding designers because obviously design is such a visual thing. There are a ton of really talented freelancers out there that share mock work and share like the type of work that they do. You could literally go like into the search bar and type pet brand or pet logo and a thousand will pop up. Start clicking on some of the ones you like and like see if it's like a type of profile that shares a bunch of design work. They'll usually tag the designer and you can go down that rabbit hole finding people. Um, So those are my two ways. And then if you are getting just like random referrals, make sure they have a portfolio. Make sure it's not just like a bunch of logos. Make sure that you're actually getting like a fully fledged out process. So making sure that A, they have a visual portfolio and B, asking them like what their process is okay what is the process you're going to take me through to make sure i'm getting a brand if they're like oh i just open my computer and start designing that's a red flag they should have some sort of process where it's an intake form a questionnaire they're getting on a kickoff call with you they're giving you a mood board first they're now giving you some revisions if they don't have a detailed process like that the chances are you're probably not going to get the best work at the end of it yeah because it is so personal and like you said it's about you know how how do you want to have your brand be perceived by the world and it can be so easy to think oh it's not that big of a deal like a logo is a logo a color suite's a color suite but it really does affect people's uh, perception of you and you know if you're trying to uh, a fun professional brand but your visuals are saying otherwise it can really get confusing or can maybe dilute the again the story you're trying to tell exactly yes yeah. Love it. I know you've talked about you have grown an all-women team. Did you kind of go out intentionally trying to do this or did it, it happen kind of organically? It happened organically. I would say 90% of the clients we work with are women too. And a lot of them say it's because we're not woman-owned and we're an all-woman team. Think again, just the culture that <laughs> we like jived better. We did have a male copywriter there for a second. He was awesome. Shout out Sean. He was awesome. And he was like in all of us, like sharing our Taylor Swift memes to each other in our Slack channel. And he was like, okay. Yeah, I... I I first started, I didn't intentionally do that, but now I'm a little bit more cognizant of that because I hear time and time again, our clients love that, like, we're all women and we understand. And I think specifically because we do work in the pet industry, I, in my experience, it's a very heavily women-owned businesses, especially we work with a lot of pet accessory and pet apparel companies, and those tend to be very, like, women focus and they'll say all the time oh I just you know I was interviewing a couple branding firms and I just got a really bad vibe from like this one who's kind of like laughing at me because I make bandanas for dogs and they like didn't get it and I was like dude I make a lot of money doing this and you just turned me off from your whole marketing firm because you were like oh cute little girl with her little sewing machine making bandanas for the little cute puppies how cute so I think a lot of the clients we've worked feel like they were being taken seriously mm. and they were being understood 
I think a lot of women can relate to this specifically. So when they come to us and they're like, you guys get it, like not only from being a woman-owned business standpoint, but also like in the pet space, like this isn't some like cute little hobby I'm doing. I'm trying to make this into a legit money making business and you're taking this seriously has been like another really big thing I've heard. Yeah, absolutely. Because yeah, everybody wants to be seen for what they do and nobody wants to work with somebody who is patronizing or who is you know, really putting down yeah. uh, the effort that they're putting in. And like you said, these people are successful enough to be able to hire an agency to take that part of their business and work on it. People don't do that lightly. They don't just say, oh, I'm going to have just have somebody do this. Like they're intentional enough in their business to, to want to make that move. And for somebody to put down the work that they are doing is uh yeah that that's another one of those red flags or have it be you know like a hobby it's not i'm not a hobbyist i am an entrepreneur and i'm trying to grow a business here yeah absolutely and when you are working with some of these companies is there a stumbling block maybe that you see a lot of them kind of getting caught up on as you're talking through like their brand audits or when they're trying to find that the right vibe for their brand and direction they want to go yeah, I think the biggest one I see is like the competitor trap. So when they tell me brands they like and they show me like four other brands in the exact same space as them. And I'm like, yes, and every single one looks the exact same. And if we just make your brand look like all theirs, you're just going to look like theirs too. Um, So like I said, I always challenge people like go out their industry, but um, feeling like they have to do something because all their competitors are doing it. And I see this a lot in the pet apparel space specifically now that apparel and graphics are becoming such a big thing with like t-shirts and sweatshirts that I'm sure you've seen like the same dog saying like a thousand times on eight different companies. And I think it's this competitive trap people fall into where it's, oh, they are doing it. And like it did well for them. So I'm just going to do it. I'm like, yeah, but your brand is like super edgy and spunky. Why would you do this like cursive font and saying that's like, more feminine. That's their brand. Let's stay true to your brand. So sometimes having to talk people off of, no, we're not going to use blue because everyone else in the space is using blue. Actually not using blue is going to be a real big strength here because your brand's going to stand out. Um, so I think it, it's like that. What's the word I'm looking like? So when you're like in two lines and one's really long and one's really short and you're like, I don't really want to go in the short line because something's wrong there. So I'm going to like go in the long line with everyone. I feel like sometimes that happens with branding where it's like, oh, but all these companies are like doing this. So I feel like I got to do it. And if I go over here and like actually stay true to myself and do what feels right to me, like it's not going to work when nine times out of 10, it's the exact opposite. Yeah. Yeah. So true. Because it is. It's like scary to think this huge group of people over here, they must know something that I don't know because otherwise, why would they all be over here? And then it turns out that they don't know what they're doing either. <laughs> Everyone's <just like laughs> no one congregating <laughs> together. And so you have done a lot of work also like in the subscription box space and designing yeah. subscription boxes and designing packaging. And I would think that would also be a space that's hard to work in because same, same thing. Everyone's got their toy box subscription or their treat subscription or their toys and treat subscription. And how can you help people stand out? Like you said, when everyone's doing a similar thing and to help them be yeah. the one that stands out. A lot of it has to do with the packaging and the actual box design. So our team specifically has designed seven Bark Day boxes, <laughs> like seven different brands, Bark Day boxes. And every single one looks different, but every single one has not the same products, but, you know, generally the same thing. Like right. there's some sort of cake product or some sort of bandana product. Um, but at the end of the day, it goes back to the branding and the packaging component of it. Um, and a lot of times, this is why companies will come to us because they'll start with their packaging design. I think you were one where it was like, oh, I just have a logo. I can't really do a lot with yeah. just a logo on packaging design. That's, I think, where a lot of people will see the pain point of just having a logo because they're like, okay, can't really design a box with just a logo. Like, this doesn't look great. And that's where they start to realize, oh, I need the brand. So once they have the brand, then, you know, we can make a really cool kick-ass box for them that stays true to who they are. And whether it's personalizing it or having a really fun illustration on the outside or a really spunky saying in their brand font, being able to stand out visually that way with the subscription boxes specifically, I think is super helped. And the unboxing experience is becoming part of the experience, not just what's inside of it. And that was something when we were redesigning Memory Flame is I very much wanted it to be a gift experience because I I feel like probably most people have had this experience where you receive a gift in the mail 
And one, you don't know what it is because it comes in just like a plain cardboard box. And two, there's nothing that tells you who the package came from. And it is so frustrating to have to go like to social media and say, hey, I just received this awesome gift, but I have no idea who actually sent it. And it's not a great experience to not know who sent you something, especially if it is a really touching gift or I've received Christmas presents and there's nothing in there from the company who tells me who actually sent me the thing. And that can be really frustrating. And so I very much was like, I would like to have this whole gift experience. And how do I actually portray that? And then how does that gift experience carry into the cards that we put in there? And how does that translate into the handwritten notes that we do? And then the label and how the package arrives on their front step. And I didn't think about all of that at the beginning. I just said, I want a better package. So when it arrives to somebody's house, it looks really nice. Or I could wholesale this, or I can start going to conferences and get the brand awareness out there. And you really helped me understand that it's more than a logo. And you see a lot of people who have updated a brand and they get like a logo and a pattern and maybe a couple colors. And you're like, oh, that's apparently what branding is. But it's so much more than just a logo, maybe a pattern, maybe a couple colors. Yeah. And you did a great job. Morgan is a great case study too. Of, um, we do have people who hire us to like do everything, but you know, we also have people who are like know enough to be dangerous, like you said, but they just need the tools and like the direction to go in to be able to do that stuff. I mean, you were like a great example of that where it's like being able to give you the tools and you really just ran with it, girl. You did so much with the brand. I'm like, oh my gosh. I just saw you at that conference in Florida. I'm like, your booth looks so good. She had all these and these little like quote cards i was like wow i was blown away by how you used everything thank you and that was because you gave me the direction um so my husband works for a local pet company and they're getting like a graphic done and um, they had a graphic designer do it and he's like we don't really love it but we don't know how to fix it and when you're in that position where you're like i know this isn't as good as it could be but also i have no idea how to make this any better um you really gave me those tools to create that visual and to create those guidelines and then i can say oh i can see it now and now i can apply yeah. that in other ways and it's evolved because i think we worked together a year ago i can't believe that yeah i think it's been almost a year <laughs> i think it's been at least a year and and things have changed since then too because i keep evolving like what you guys have done and i was like oh what if i did it this way and what if i just change this little element and it's been really fun for me to see how i've continued to be able to level up the product that we're giving to people because for those who don't know they're remembrance candles and when somebody sends that type of gift you want it to be very impactful but also not too flashy. So it's kind of this hard point of being that kind of, again, that like warm, comforting gift without it being too over the top and not wanting to make my brand be the biggest thing about the box, which can also be hard to have that kind of tone down and make sure it's about the gift on the inside and not look at all my cool brand elements and how they all tie together because the people getting it, they just really care that it's a very special item that they get. But definitely you stretched my belief of what the brand could be. And it's been fun to be able to continue to take that forward. I love that small. I feel like sometimes like even things like the brand audits, like I feel like it's just such a small little thing that took me two seconds to be like X, Y, Z pointed out. But I forget even being a business owner myself, like someone who's in the day to day, it isn't a small thing. It's actually a very large impact for them. And it's something they would have never seen because they got their blinders on because they're so in the day to day. And it's something like that that rejuvenates them. I just love seeing what our clients do with some of the suggestions I give them where it's like, okay, this suggestion took me like two seconds to see because I'm not in the day to day, but it was like such a big impact for them. So I love hearing that. Yeah. And then you have that expertise to, yeah, it might take you two seconds, but you've got a decade of experience to back that up. So it's not like you're just, oh, you should change that color to this color, you know, that some people think of what branding is. And there's so much more that comes down to the ability to see those things. Um, yeah, it's and, very nuanced. <laughs> yeah. And you go to a lot of conferences as well, right? You do a fair amount of speaking. And I know you've been to some really awesome branding conferences and subscription box conferences and all of yeah. these things. And <laughs> what do you love the most about getting to go 
to these conferences and whether you're presenting or you're you know, hosting a workshop yeah. or you're just being able to talk with people who have these businesses. What do you love doing about that? Probably just the face to face for sure. Like I'm just such a connector. Like I love connecting with people and hearing their stories, but I also love connecting like other business owners with other business owners. So I just love like that face to face time, being able to talk to people and just having those connections. Like I said, I love being able to have reliable people that I can refer other people to, but also just being like, hey, oh, I'm a real person. You're a real person. And like, tell me that story and love your shirt. Where'd you buy? Just those like small little interactions like that are my favorite part about the conferences for sure. I didn't go to a conference for quite a while. Like I had been to some conferences in my previous world. But once I got into pet care stuff, one, I didn't know that there was even this option of pet care conferences. And then two, by the time I did find them, I was so busy. I didn't I did not prioritize making the time to get to go to them. In the last few years, I've really been able to go to quite a few. And it has been so rewarding to get to know people. Like you said, that face-to-face interaction time that you don't get in a Facebook group or messaging back and forth with somebody, but to actually get to go out to dinner or to just get to see them for two seconds in the hallway. It's like, like you said, like you are a real person. I can't tell you how many people like come up to me when I'm at conferences and they're like, are you Kayla from Knox? And I'm like, Yes. And I'm like, oh my God, I've been you on Instagram for like so long. And I loved X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, oh my God, tell me more. Because yeah, it is hard to connect with every single one of your followers or every single person in the Facebook groups or just even having that moment of, like you said, like the two seconds in the hallway. And it's like now when I'm like on Instagram, I see that person. I'm like, oh, I remember you. I talked to you at the conference. And it's like so much more impactful now. Yeah. I believe that social media should be social. And it, the whole part of social media is to make those like real life connections with people. And I've met people in groups and we've started talking on Instagram and you start like actually having a real deeper conversation other than, oh, that's really cute or, oh, nice picture. And it's amazing when you get to then meet those people in real life. Like you said, it's just it's a full circle moment. And it it, sometimes I feel like when you're on social media, it's like talking into the void. And yeah. when you get to meet a real person, it's like, oh, like this is the person exactly. that I, I'm actually like, talking oh, to. Exactly. It's like, oh, actually listen to what I'm saying. I love this. Okay. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, Kayla, what kind of conferences do you have coming up? Because I know you've got a couple, right? Yeah. So the one I'm the most excited for is I'm going to be speaking at the Atlanta Market. Um, so that's a really big one for retailers and product companies. So product companies will showcase there. Then retailers go to these markets and go to all the booths and try to figure out who they're wholesaling. So I'm doing an education breakout on branding there. Um, and then I'm also going to be doing the sub summit. So I'm excited for that too. And that's subscription boxes, right? And so Correct. is that like all kinds of subscription boxes or is it more in yeah. the pet space? Oh, cool. No, I actually don't have a ton of pet space ones lined up. I'm working on it though. I'm working on it. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Kayla, how can folks find you? So if they want to follow along all of your adventures and you know, get the brand audits. How do they find that? Yeah. So your branding buddy is my username on Instagram. KaylaPipco.com is my personal website where you can see all past podcasts speaking and also book those brand audit calls. We also have your build your own brand course on there as well, which was put together in partnership with Docs. So that's a breakdown of our branding process there. Um, But yeah, Kayla Pipko and Your Branding Buddy are the two places you can find me. Fantastic. Kayla, thank you so much for sharing. We have really gotten that, the importance of branding. And I really hope that people understand that, again, it's not just the words that you're saying, but also the visuals that you're putting out. And it all works together. And it's all all a cohesive, I call them a cohesive ecosystem. Like your business, all of these things work together and really how having a cohesive visual brand can really support the work that people are doing in their day-to-day work. So thank you so much for coming on and I so appreciate it. Of course. Thanks for having me. Love chatting.